0: The House come to order if members can take their seats.
1: This budget is a huge job maker and the number one solution to economic insecurity is a job.
0: Hungry children can't learn and it's our responsibility to try to help.
1: Equality and opportunity.
0: I believe most people are here because they want to do some good.
1: Welcome to Capital Ideas, the podcast where members of the Majority Democratic Caucus in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down for a while at the state capitol and talk about ideas. They're ideas like sustainable budgets, affordable housing, expanding equity, clean air and water, healthy families, and strong schools. What they have in common is that they're ideas that reflect the real values of the people of the evergreen state. Representative Emily Alvarado is in the idea seat today. She's a first-year lawmaker from the 34th District, which I'll leave it to her to describe. Emily's a longtime housing activist and the former director of the Seattle Housing Office. Those are perfect resume entries for a legislative session that in large part is dedicated to tackling Washington's shortage of housing, especially affordable housing. That background helped her snag a seat as vice chair of the housing committee here in the House, and you'll hear plenty about that and a lot more in the next 22 minutes. So settle in, grab a cup of coffee, and get to know Representative Emily Alvarado. We recorded this on Friday, March 24th, 2023, and here's how it went. Welcome to Capital Ideas, Representative Emily Alvarado from the 34th District. That's in King County, and I have never had a chance to sit down and talk with you, I've got that chance now. Thank you for coming by.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: This being your first session, I have to assume that the people in your district know who you are, but no one else might. I think they should. So let me give you just a short opportunity here to introduce Emily Alvarado to the people who are listening to your Capital Ideas.
0: Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I am a longtime affordable housing advocate. I'm a mom of two kids. I am trained as an attorney, and I'm a committed public servant, and I'm really proud to be able to represent the 34th District, which extends from downtown Seattle, Pioneer Square, Georgetown, Soto, South Park, West Seattle, Vashon Island, White Center, and parts of Burien.
1: You're a longtime housing advocate. That's going to inform a lot of this conversation, I'm pretty sure. For one thing, you're former director of the Seattle Housing Office. You're currently the vice chair of the House Housing Committee. I see a pattern there. First thing I want to ask, when I see a person who comes into the legislature and they're kind of a specialist already, I'm interested in why. There are a whole lot of things that a person could become a specialist in. Why housing for you?
0: Well, housing is a basic human need. Everyone needs it. It's where you get your safety and security. It's where your foundation is built, your launching pad for success, your connection to community. For children, it's their connection to schools and to friends and to the rest of their life. And I believe that in a country as wealthy as ours and in a state as wealthy as ours, that everyone should have their basic needs met. And housing is a big piece of that. So is healthcare. So is having nutritious food. So is the opportunity to go to a world class school. But having housing is a piece of that. When I graduated from law school, I spent some time working as an attorney supporting people who were facing eviction. And what I learned from that process is that the system's really broken because so many people simply can't afford to pay for housing. And not being able to afford to pay for housing leads to so many destabilizing effects in folks' life. It can lead to eviction, to homelessness, to dislocation, to a lack of connection with communities and with schools. And I committed myself from that day on to work upstream to help fight for a world in which everyone has a safe, affordable home.
1: Let me ask you now specifically about legislation concerning housing, affordable housing, middle housing, all, all the various things that are so key to this legislative session. Because as an aside, when this session began, it was pretty much acknowledged by both sides of the aisle, both chambers, that housing and the workforce shortage were going to be the two big topics for this session. Obviously, I'm talking to the housing person right now. What's going on there? What are we doing?
0: Yeah, well, to zoom out a little bit first, I should just say that part of the reason we have a housing problem is because we have a tremendous housing shortage. And new data came out not too long ago from the Department of Commerce, which actually, the data came out because of legislation several years ago, which required us to collect this data, and shows we need over a million homes in Washington in the coming years to help meet the needs. And that shortage of homes is really driving prices. It means that renters are struggling. It means that first time homebuyers can't buy a home. And it means that new people who are moving to this state don't have a place to put down roots. So we need to change that. But one of the things that the data also shows is that over half of the homes that we need need to be deeply affordable. Affordable to people who are on Social Security or are on disability. Affordable to people who are making minimum wage or who are exiting homelessness. And so we need a range of strategies that we take action on at the state to address the entire housing continuum you asked about legislation. First, we're looking at a suite of bills to help create more homes overall and address in particular the higher end or half of the uh, homes that are needed in the market. We pass legislation in the House to help create more housing choices in all communities. Some people know of this as missing middle, but it'll help to make sure that in communities where I live in West Seattle, that you have better opportunities for new homebuyers and renters to come in through the development of more townhomes and fourplexes and small courtyard apartment buildings. We're also taking steps to make permitting more efficient and easier, so housing can be built faster and it can be built at lower price points. We're making more options to build ADUs in communities, accessory dwelling units, so that there's a variety of housing types. And that's an important piece of increasing the supply of homes overall. But I mentioned this affordable component too, right? We need homes that are deeply affordable. And when you do the math, Those are not homes that the market is going to build. And if we leave it to the market alone, we're not going to have the housing that we need for all of our community members. And that's where we need investment. We're looking at legislation right now, like the Affordable Homes Act, the real estate uh, excise tax, which would generate new revenue to help to invest to create new affordable homes. There are other options that are being talked about as well, but revenue is a key piece to make sure that we have the resources to build the homes we need. Look, building a home isn't rocket science. What we need is the resources to be able to make those investments. At the state, we've invested in the Housing Trust Fund for decades It works, it helps to create homes for seniors, for people with disabilities, for people exiting homelessness in rural communities, in urban communities. We just need to get to work at raising those resources so we can make the investment at the scale that's necessary to really solve this problem.
1: That's a big answer. Every segment of what you just said can be addressed and probably is being addressed by separate pieces of legislation. I won't ask you to go through the whole laundry list of this bill, that bill, and the other bill, but I will say, how is housing doing? Since at the beginning of session, it was determined that housing was going to be one of the hallmarks of success or failure for this session. How is housing going?
0: Well, in the House, we're making real progress on some of the critical bills that help to expand housing supply. And we have a good opportunity to, concurrent with the budgets, move out some legislation that can increase resources for affordable housing. Unfortunately, we didn't meet the need as it comes to protecting renters this session. There were a number of bills that would have provided a range of protections, common sense things like notice for tenants when there's an increase in rent that's significant, or some ways to stabilize rents so that people have more predictable rents the way that homeowners have a predictable mortgage. Unfortunately, that legislation didn't pass. I'm committed to working with community and keep the momentum up so that we can help provide real meaningful stability to the over 1 million renters in the state of Washington. And when it comes to renters, we know that when you look at a household budget, The single greatest cost in a household budget, in an average household, is the cost of housing. The second greatest cost, transportation. So when people's incomes aren't rising, when their wages aren't rising, when their social security isn't going up, but their rent is going up, that has real impacts on people across our state. And they deserve predictability and they deserve some guardrails so that they can keep their housing.
1: So I know that there's a lot of pushback on these bills. That's the reason that the bill's having to do with rent stabilization and notice to tenants maybe have to come back next year. But overall, has there been a feeling of bipartisanship on some of the more important housing bills?
0: There's certainly bipartisanship as it comes to creating more housing supply in the market. And we've been able to move quickly and meaningfully on those pieces of legislation. But I think that it is more Democrats leading when it comes to raising revenue to make the necessary investments that our community is asking for. And I think it's also true that when it comes to protecting and supporting some of the more vulnerable members of our community with compassionate, And humane and even cost-effective solutions like investments in permanent supportive housing, Democrats are leading on those issues as well. And we have to do more. You talked about
1: vulnerable people. This gives me a good chance to pivot to another issue, which is home care worker shortage. There are growing numbers of people who need home care. Generations are aging. Prices of assisted living are through the roof. There is a shortage of home care workers, just like there's a shortage of dental workers and auto mechanics and any number of other professions right now. You've got a bill that has to do with making a dent in the shortage of home care workers.
0: Well, thanks. We do have workforce challenges across our state in so many critical areas. And, you know, one of the key things to do to address a workforce shortage is to make sure that we have fair family-sustaining wages and benefits so that we can recruit and retain a strong workforce. But beyond that, there are policy changes that we can implement to also make sure that in critical fields like in healthcare, like in home care, and in other areas that we are recruiting and retaining uh, workers. In this bill, we make some real common sense fixes that have to do with date of hire, with testing and certification, that have to do with expanding opportunities for paid care for by family caregivers. And we make those changes because, as you said, we know there's incredible need in our community for people to get care at home so that seniors and people with disabilities can live with dignity and with independence in their home. And we need over 70,000 new home care workers in the state of Washington by 2025 to help meet the growing need. So, this bill is one small step as part of a big package of bills moving forward and a coordinated effort to help strengthen our workforce in critical fields.
1: And is it in fact moving forward?
0: It is moving forward. We've already had a public hearing and it's moving through the Senate Health Care Committee. Congratulations. Thank you. That's one piece of others. Um, You mentioned working with um, and supporting vulnerable people. That's something that I'm really passionate about, as I mentioned. And in this state, we have created um, systems a social safety net to help people when they're vulnerable Um, we have a cash assistance program for example aged blind and disabled it's one of our key programs in this state to make sure that elderly people people with disabilities who can't work have access to modest monthly stipends so that they can stay afloat and pay for life's basic necessities under that program We have pretty punitive policies, though, that require people to pay back those benefits to the state once they access federal benefits. I have a bill to change that practice. That bill has moved out of the Senate Human Services Committee, just had a hearing in Senate Ways and Means, and I'm hoping that we can see it go to the floor of the Senate soon.
1: It would seem like that's sort of kicking someone when they're down about as far as they can get. When they're switching from one sort of public assistance to another, uh, that's not the time for them to, to pay debts they didn't even know they were incurring.
0: Absolutely. We need to expand our basic needs programs, and we also have to make sure that they're working to set people up for success and stability.
1: And just because I like to explain things now and then, since most people don't work at the legislature... Um, When we talk about something, a House bill that has just moved out of a Senate committee, that means it passed the House as a full chamber already and has gone across the rotunda.
0: It passed the House with strong bipartisan support.
1: That's the best kind. I want to move kind of horizontally now to another segment of our population that is vulnerable and is tied to the state more than many people and that's foster youth. The foster system has been improving. It's not perfect yet, and I think that you've got some bills that will help it to become a little less imperfect.
0: Well, we know that youth in the foster care system are in our care, and they're looking to us to do right by them. When I became a legislator, I learned that about 10 to 15% of youth in the foster care system actually receive federal benefits. It's their property. But those benefits are garnished by the state and taken to pay for the cost of care. Now, imagine we're taking resources from some of the more vulnerable youth in our state, and those resources instead could be a financial nest egg to help youth when they exit the foster care system have more financial stability and more opportunity. My bill will end this practice and help make sure that we're Letting youth in the foster care system keep what's theirs and setting them more up for success.
1: I know a lot of unhoused people who are 18 years and one day old were foster youth when they were 17 years and 364 days old.
0: Yeah, it's true. We know that youth who exit the foster care system have elevated rates of homelessness, of incarceration, and of unemployment. So it's really incumbent upon us to not only invest in their stability and invest in their future, but not to be taking money away from them that they can invest in themselves.
1: Even if you're not bringing compassion into the situation, it just seems like a smart thing to do. I agree. In addition to being the vice chair of two standing committees in the House, you're also the vice chair of the Members of Color Caucus here in the House. That's a huge caucus this year. It's bigger than it's ever been. Not only is this the session in which there is the largest number of members of color, there's also the largest number of women. It's just, there's a whole lot of superlatives about this particular session. The members of Color Caucus came into this session with some priorities of of their own. I think those really mix in with all the other legislation. But I'm just wondering, what's the optimism level on the bills that you considered to be important this session?
0: Well, it's absolutely a privilege to serve with a growing and diverse Group of legislators, people who are better representing the diverse communities of Washington State. And when we come together as the Members of Color Caucus, we're really coalescing around priorities that serve our communities and do so with intentionality about advancing racial equity. We made some progress on those issues. There's still a lot more work to do. I'm also really proud that this year I was able to join our first ever bicameral Latino caucus because of an increasing and growing number of Latino representatives and senators in Washington state. And we've been pushing to make sure that we're paying attention to the needs of our immigrant communities, that we're building access to multilingual educational services, and that we're supporting our workforce.
1: We've been talking for over 20 minutes here, and I know that your time is limited. We have already had to reschedule this appointment a time or two because of the fact that everybody down here has a tight schedule. But before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to talk about whatever you want to bring up. But also, before I give you that chance, I want to ask you about reproductive justice. Uh, That is something that has been key in several pretty high-profile bills here this year.
0: I believe that every person should be able to make their own health care decisions. I believe that access to abortion and the right to have an abortion and to access reproductive health care must be both a right and it must be made meaningful by ensuring access. And we have had several bills that I was proud to vote off the House floor this session that would help to increase access by making sure that there are no punitive measures taken against providers, either in other states or that other states don't come into our state and take action that's punitive against providers. That's really important in the wake of Dobbs. Um, But we know that here we need to be doing what we can to protect folks in Washington. Also, pleased to support the My Health, My Data Act that makes sure that people have privacy and that we're not allowing companies to take advantage of people and have access to their reproductive health care information. I'll be fighting as well to make sure that we have resources in our operating budget to ensure that there's real access to reproductive health care, especially for those people who need it most.
1: Before you go, this is your chance now. Is there anything that I haven't brought up or that you haven't mentioned that you think people should know about Emily Alvarado or about the work that you're doing?
0: Well, it's an absolute privilege to be serving my first term as a legislator and to be fighting for a lot of the issues that I know my constituents talk to me about, fighting for education building a world-class education system, making sure that we really address the needs of special education in our district. I have two kids in the public schools. That's a priority for me, as I know it has been for um, us this session. I'm going to keep fighting to make sure that people have their basic needs met As we talked about housing, we know that a lot of people right now are facing food insecurity and we're taking lots of steps at the state to make sure that we're investing so that all people have access to healthy, nutritious food.
1: Emily, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I wish it could be longer, but I'm sure that we'll get back together again at some point in the future. We've been speaking with Representative Emily Alvarado from the 34th Legislative District. It's been a treat. Thank you for coming by, Emily.
0: Thank you so much.
1: That's it for today's episode of Capital Ideas. There's a lot to think about in there. And while you're at it, I hope you'll consider subscribing to our podcast if you haven't done so already. You can subscribe by visiting the House Democratic Caucus website at housedemocrats.wa.gov. And while you're there, you can learn even more about Representative Alvarado and the other members of the caucus. If you want to go the usual route, you can also subscribe on any of the major podcast aggregators. Point is, it's a great way to find out about what's going on here in the legislature this session and every session. This is your state government, and what goes on here matters. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889. As always, thank you for your time.